the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. I am Seth Leibson. Hello, Mr. Bill. David Dahl. Good to, don't get up and... No, you can't walk away the moment we start. What is this? Put your seatbelt on. Everyone else has to listen. You do, too. In the style section of the Washington Post today, we get a headline and a story bruited around the media, cross-posted at the Drudge Report, for example, titled, How Everything Became a PSYOP for Conservatives. In our continued lament that there are no safe spaces from politics or political free zones today, we can now add the style section of the Washington Post, formerly reserved for things like designs and theaters and restaurant reviews and clothing. How did C.S. Lewis put it? He wrote, a sick society must think much about politics as a sick man must think much about his digestion. To ignore the subject may be fatal cowardice for the one as for the other. But if either come to regard it as the natural food of the mind, if either forgets that we think of such things only in order to be able to think of something else, then what was undertaken for the sake of health has become itself a new and deadly disease. Close quote. Politics and ideology has swept and blown through everything now, hasn't it? Spraying its political, cultural DDT through every part of our environment, killing brain cells, common sense, and peace of mind, putting the frenzy and upheaval everywhere it can, giving the rest of us no rest or reprieve whatsoever. Sure, literature departments, kindergarten lesson plans, playground rules, the NFL, national anthems, drama shows on television, the theater, department stores— Children's clothing lines, children's toy colors, collegiate athletics, elementary, secondary, and college restrooms, Disneyland, National Geographic, pronouns, physical health, religious institutions, and now, I guess, sections of newspapers whose originating point was a recess from business and government, whose focus was healthy recreation and distraction or entertainment, like the style section, enters the realm to ensure the defeat of political free zones is more complete now than ever. This is what the left does, doesn't it? It sweeps through everything with a totality, and I use that word advisedly. By sweeping through everything, you change a culture, and you change the culture's politics. Anyone remember the huge bestseller, Fat is a Feminist Issue? Now obesity is killing us, but we cannot talk about it. So let's stay with feminism just a moment. The personal is political, we were told by the neo-Marxists in the second wave feminist movement. That phrase, the personal is political, originated in an essay in the radical feminist magazine called Notes. The author was one Carol Hanisch, later to go on to praise Mao Zedong. But there she wrote of her views of psychotherapy, stating, quote, one of the first things we discover 
in these groups is that personal problems are political problems. There are no personal solutions at this time. There is only collective action for collective solution, close quote. For those not schooled in the Marxist rhetoric here, let me add to it. The title of this essay, The Personal is Political, came from the editor of the magazine, Marxist Radical Feminist, her terms, not mine, Shulamit Firestone. Shulamit Firestone was the vanguard of the early 1970s radical feminist movement, and her landmark book was, again, just so you can see the Marxist themes here, her landmark book was titled The Dialectic of Sex, The Case for Feminist Revolution. There she writes, quote, The end goal of feminist revolution must be, unlike that of the first feminist movement, not just the elimination of male privilege, but the elimination of the sex distinction itself. Genital differences between human beings need to no longer matter culturally. Close quote. I give you the NCAA, particularly its division of swimming and bathroom policies at schools across the country. But back to the Washington Post for just a moment. Here's how that fashion section, that restaurant section, that theater section article begins. Quote, Lately, it's become popular in conservative media circles to brand certain things as a psychological operation or psyop. Climate change, for example, or COVID, or the media coverage of Donald Trump, or even the prosecution of Hunter Biden. Technically, they continue, PSYOP is a U.S. military term, referring to various kinds of campaigns to get inside the heads of adversaries. In a classical psychological operation during the Vietnam War, the U.S. government blasted message over, messages over loudspeakers that were meant to urge Viet Cong soldiers to defect. Ahead of the 2003 invasion of Iraq, it was millions of leaflets dropped on cities to undermine support for then-President Saddam Hussein. Quote, who needs you more, your family or the regime, one flyer asked. But conservative media personalities have begun using the term in vaguer and wilder ways, seemingly to allege government conspiracies targeted American citizens, something that would be illegal even if any of these theories were remotely plausible. Close quote. That's all the Washington Post. I suppose we should or could be grateful liberal leftists are paying attention to conservative voices, but they aren't really listening, are they? People hearing without listening, as Paul Simon might have put it. They are instead grafting. Go back to their examples at the top of the story in the Washington Post. Climate change, for example, or COVID or the media coverage of Donald Trump or even the prosecution of Hunter Biden. That's the series of examples from the Washington Post. Let's take them on for just half a moment, shall we? Because... It's not that hard. Climate change. How did we just pass over all the various predictions the left foisted on us with this one, particularly in dramatically reengineering society, business, and behavior from roughly 1970 forward, starting with Paul Ehrlich's book, The Population Bomb? We were warned of many things there, and everyone took them seriously. One example, quote, the battle to feed all humanity is over. In the 1970s, hundreds of millions of people will starve to death in spite of any crash programs embarked upon now, and this late date is too late to prevent a substantial increase in the world death rate. Close quote. 1970, Paul Ehrlich. We can speak of the seesaw of freneticism based on global warming to a new ice age. Anyone remember the nuclear winter Ronald Reagan would bring on? 
to now just something called climate change, to the Jeremiads of 16-year-old people of the year named Greta who told us, quote, entire ecosystems are disappearing before our very eyes, to having only 12 years to save the environment, first warned about in 2018. So if my math is white, we're about five years away from destruction. No toying with our psychology here. No irresponsible agitprop here, right? Of course not. COVID, they give us. Not politicized at all, was it? Nothing untrue said, nothing political done with it, certainly nothing to change the entire economy or presidential election, certainly nothing done to alter principles of the First Amendment or body autonomy or truth. Certainly no midnight definitional changes on the CDC website or government coercion of social media. Certainly no cover-ups to protect China or our funding of their institutions during COVID, right? Of course. Hunter Biden, they tell us. Not a national security state operation at all. How could it be? There were no dozens of intelligence officials using their credentials to lie to the media to suppress an unfavorable story in an election year or month to protect one party and one candidate. There was no media knowingly perpetrating a lie by those intelligence officials. The media was just doing their standard job of being skeptical of intelligence apparatuses, weren't they? There was no censorship of a major national newspaper that was the sole paper to actually tell the truth, was there? There was no 60 Minutes interview that pressed Hunter Biden when he said he wasn't sure if it was his or not and let that answer ring. And there was no 60 Minutes interview of Donald Trump that didn't argue with him about the veracity of the laptop. Was there, after all? No, Leslie Stahl, there was not. Of course, this is sarcasm on my part. For all the foregoing, all of the above is exactly the opposite of what happened. But PSYOP doesn't stand for psychological opposite or political science opposition or opposite. If it did, that's what the style section of the Washington Post would be engaging in. There you go. Thank you, young David. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. What are you doing over there, young David, with all your up and down and doing? meanderings? What do you got? What do you have, a pin of any kind today? What are you yes, I've got, a, I've got a Wallace and 72 pin. Do you really? I do indeed. It's interesting that you do. Why is that? I didn't know you did. I don't discriminate between who I pick pins from. No, but it's interesting. Though I don't really get into modern politics. Well, it's interesting. You don't think 1972 is modern politics? No, I don't. You also think waking up at 8 a.m. is waking up early and that 15 emails a day is too much to handle? Oh, my goodness. Do you know how many that day ended up with? 16. 49. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Mr. Bill, can you hear us? How many emails do you get an hour? Probably 49. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He's complaining about 49 emails a day. Too much to handle. This younger generation, Bill. What are we going to do with them? Well, pins kind of started dying out around the turn of the 21st century. Are you trying to elide the discussion of, of your own habits right now by going back to pins? You started talking about pins, and now you turned the tables on me, and now you're talking about when I got up this morning. 
bickering aside, it's interesting that you have a Wallace 72 pin on. And the reason I thought that was interesting is I was just about to make a remark about something Joe Biden said at a fundraiser in San Francisco last night. You see this? Um, He says at a fundraiser in San Francisco that uh, this is really quite something. uh, This race thing is, is incredible to me. I'm reading from the transcript. Um, I've been a senator since 1972. I got elected in 1972. And the prospect here, here's what is going on. I've served with real racists. I served with Strom Thurmond. I served with all these guys that have set terrible records on race. But guess what? These guys are worse. These guys are worse. These guys do not believe in basic democratic principles. What a weird, weird thing for him to say. Weird as hell. First of all, he eulogized Strom Thurmond at his funeral. Um, And Strom Thurmond did progress over the years in his views on race. But I'm looking at a um, NBC story. Excuse me, an NBC story from... uh, 2019. And the title is Joe Biden didn't just compromise with segregationists. He fought for their cause. In 1975, the legendary civil rights lawyer Jack Greenberg had something to say to freshman Senator Joe Biden. Greenberg, longtime director of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, took Biden to task for sponsoring a bill that would limit the power of courts to order school desegregation. It was a move that followed the wishes of many of Biden's white constituents in Delaware. The bill leaves a brick through the window of school integration, said Greenberg. On and on the story goes, and many here, too, will recall that Joe Biden used to brag about working with segregationists when they were segregationists, Senators Talmadge and Senators Eastland, um, Democrats all. And he's saying today's Republicans are worse than Strom Thurmond, who was no different than the people he bragged about working with in opposing desegregation in the 1970s. You will remember that famous moment of Kamala Harris's in that debate where she took Joe Biden to task on stage for fighting desegregation. And it may have been one of the few times Kamala Harris got something right, or at least right about Joe Biden's history. But this was a man who continually bragged about working with segregationist senators. And whether he's evolved or not, I don't know. I think it's the way he talks about if you African-Americans, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. If you think about the way he talked about Barack Obama as the first, you know, I don't even want to repeat what he said about Barack Obama in 2007. It's so ugly. I don't know that Joe Biden has progressed on race, race issues the way someone like Strom Thurmond very well did. And he's saying, as he said last night, that today's Republicans are worse. They, quote, do not believe in basic democratic principles. Well, let me just point out that I don't think he can think of one. I don't think he can think of one. By the way, is the First Amendment 
a basic democratic principle? I should think so. I should think so. I should think that the government co-opting the issue of deciding what constitutes misinformation and disinformation would be a violation of a democratic principle. But even if you go beyond that, I would like him to explain one democratic principle we don't as a Republican Party believe in. And I would like him, too, to try and explain to me how it is that today's Republican Party is worse than the segregationist Democrats that he was a part of and boasted being a part of, not just in the 70s, but in the vaunted 1960s. And indeed, that's why I brought it around to the pin young David is wearing today. What party did George Wallace emanate from? Young David, you should know enough to be able to answer that question. He was a Democrat. He was was a Democrat, George Wallace. He absolutely was. And when Joe Biden goes into Georgia, as he did two years ago, and says, do you want to be the party of George Wallace or the party of Martin Luther King? Because today's Republican Party is the party of George Wallace. That's not just a revision of history. It's a complete turning of it upside down. I should say loudly and clearly and without cavil and without reservation that Republicans' records on race versus Democrats' records on race is a story that if I were a segregationist boaster and booster like Joe Biden would not want to enter the discussion of He should be ashamed of his past, and he should be ashamed for what he is trying to say about today's Republican Party now. We have a terrible record on race, and we don't believe in basic democratic principles. It is an odd thing for me to see a president of the United States, never mind one who said he wanted to unite this country, never mind any of that, just take any old president of the United States— Waging a campaign against the American people rather than a campaign against our true adversaries. He looks at Republicans and sees enemies and adversaries. He looks at enemies and adversaries and sees opponents. That's upside down of everything from Thomas Jefferson forward. And he should be ashamed of himself because in the end, He's the one who I don't think believes in basic democratic principles. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Partly national, partly federal is our government, as James Madison put it. One of my favorite people in the whole wide world is Bethany Mandel. You can follow her on Twitter, X, Twix, at Bethany Shondark. And she is running for school board in Montgomery County, Maryland. And this is one of the most exciting races. It really is because she is a game changer. Bethany, welcome back to the show. And hopefully some of my um, listeners here can help you out on your race there. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I have to say you are on the line also with my other favorite, Seth. My husband is in the car with me. Oh, no. I have like... (laughs) Squared right now. <laughs> oh dear gosh, Hyde, uh, Cropsey, and Jones, and the and the and the and the other four. I, there might be a total of five of us in the country. Bethany, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bethany, tell this audience why you are running for school board. 
Thank you so much for having me, first of all. You bet. Um, so why am I running for school board? That's a great question that I often ask myself. Um, the answer is I have been watching with horror and fury what has been happening in my local school district over the course of the last five years or so. And it has, so today enrollment numbers were released and they have 6,000 fewer students than they had uh, in 2019. They're supposed to be growing. And the fact that the, the district is shrinking indicates that there's a real problem here. And, and this is a problem that's being replicated in school districts across the country. It's not unique to Montgomery County, Maryland. But the difference with Montgomery County, Maryland, is that it has been ideologically captured, it being the school board and the school administration, by far left progressive activists. And they have decided that forcing families to have their children read Pride Puppy in kindergarten, this is a thing that's happened, it's become mandatory here, is a good use of half a million dollars. There are families who are suing the, the school district for the right to opt their own children out. And uh, the fight and the, the school district has decided to fight these parents has cost taxpayers like myself half a million dollars. Uh, the superintendent just had to step down. Um, and that's going to cost us another probably million dollars when you factor in the golden parachute that she got, plus the interim superintendent's salary. The interim superintendent uh, was asked to leave her last job. The decision-making is not great, and there is no one within the school board or the school district who's raising their hand and saying, maybe this is not the best use of our time and the best use of our funds and is not in the best interest of children, and that's what I would like to do. I would like to be the spoil sport who raises their hand and just says over and over and over, is this the best in the best interest of the students of Montgomery County, Maryland? And if the answer is no, then let's move on. Good. Thank you. Is there a website that people can go to to help your candidacy out, Bethany, that we can promote, or should they follow you on Twix? What's the best way for people to learn more about your candidacy and to help you out if they can? So everything is on my website. It's Bethany4, the number 4, B-O-E dot com. Uh -huh. And I encourage your listeners to donate to these local races, not just mine. Obviously, I want people to donate to my race. Mm -hmm. um, we raise $5,000 in a day, but that's a fifth of what we need. Okay. But these local races count for so, so much. And so I just I urge your listeners, instead of donating to, you know, president, presidential campaigns, senatorial campaigns, donate to Board of Education races this Good. year. Make this the year that you decide to donate to Board of Education races. Good. And if people want to donate to mine, that would be great. Bethany4boe.com. Wonderful. Now, you, I should point out, have been focused on children's issues for a very long time, whether it's been in your columns or your book, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. I have to tell you, my ears picked up. I knew most of these books that were being forced into our K and one and two, second uh, second grades. I didn't know this one about the pride puppy. What's this? What's this about now that we're giving our kindergartners? It's so the the details are in a lawsuit that these parents have filed against the against the school district. And in the back of the book, there are suggested vocabulary words oh, for good. children to learn: oh, good. leather, intersex. Uh -huh. um, these are the vocabulary words. I'm not kidding. <laughs> In these books that are being made mandatory for students in Montgomery County, Maryland. 
This is, um, this is what Hannah Arendt warned about uh, in the 1950s. She said, The view of progressive education is to have adults playing out their political games in the elementary schoolyards of our children. That's what we're seeing. Yeah. You're in the car. I have a break. Do you want to stay one more segment, or do you got to run? We'll have you back off, and either way, it's up to you, Bethany. I don't want to interrupt your— I love you. I'm here. You're Okay. <laughs> don't say it too loud to the other Seth. Oh, too loudly to the other Seth. We'll be right back with more from Bethany Mandel. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, Bethany Mandel, she is our guest. She is the author of Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. More importantly, she is running for school board in Montgomery County, Maryland. Um, Bethany, the number four, BOE.com. Bethany for BOE.com. If you want to help her out, please do so. This is the kind of race where... If she is elected, she will be a game changer and a game changer nationally, like some prosecutors, some district attorneys, some mayors, some local uh, office holders can become national leaders. They are so powerful and so smart. She will be one of them and a model for others. We do a lot of work here to get school board candidates elected with Arizona Women for Action. This is one we've got to do in Maryland to get Bethany over the line. Bethany, you have been focused on children's issues for a long time, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was in 2020, early 2020, kind of like Diogenes, I was looking around for someone uh, to join a small but growing, but very small group of people that were looking at what we were doing to our kids with regard to COVID. There was uh, Heather McDonald, there was Dennis Prager, Bill Bennett, myself, but not that many others, and there was you. And you were standing strong saying, what are we doing to our children? It's kind of a sick society, Bethany, to me, that uses children to soothe adult anxieties. And that's been a thesis of yours for a while, too, if I can not put words in your mouth. But I think I'm right about that. Am I not? 100%. Okay. No, 100%. It it, it has been so, I mean, it used to be that we would, you know, the mantra on the Titanic was women and children first. Not that they did that, but theoretically. Right. Um, now we're we're not even pretending that that's the case. Now we're saying, you know, let's let's put little Johnny behind a mask, which, by the way, is still CDC guidance right, right now today. Right. That is still CDC guidance that two year olds can wear a mask. Um, I have a two year old. I had a two year old pretty much the entire course of the pandemic, <laughs> and it was mind boggling to me that this this guidance had been written by people who had never met a two year old. We expect them to wear something on their face all day while they are also wearing a diaper. Right. <laughs> like, right. They can't control their bodily functions enough to be potty trained, and yet we expect them to put a dirty piece of, piece of cloth over their face and call it virus control. A face diaper, you might call it as well. It's yeah. a, it was a weird thing under this theory, because they were not at risk from this disease or this virus. It was a weird theory that we would instantiate fear in our youth population in order to protect adults. By the way, most adults who weren't at risk for this, unless, of course, they had comorbidities or issues with obesity, and I get all that. But then this notion came of, well, they could go home and give it to grandma or grandpa. Bethany, Seth, honest to God, um, you're with your husband, Seth, in the car. Honest to God, you know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. How many do you know live with their grandparents who have kids in elementary school, much less kindergarten? Honestly, how many? I know I mean, zero. I know zero. They, the, the school district here in Montgomery County, they offered a virtual academy. Okay. What's, what inspired me to run was that 
they are still promoting the virtual academy. Again, it's like lighting money on fire. There's still a virtual academy in, in this year, 2024, and they're talking about extending it. Uh, the woman who is I'm running against for in my district would probably still have kids behind masks if she had anything to say about it. This is this is her religion was COVID over the course of the last several years, and when when parents were protesting for the right to opt their children out, my opponent Laura Stort was standing protesting the parents. Yeah, and now she wants to be on the school board. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is another interesting aspect to this. We kind of thought we had an idea of what schools were for. We kind of thought that education was important. We did this thing during COVID that said schools, like work, by the way, like employment, by the way, wasn't important. Lo and behold, uh, the scores plummeted, not from a very high point in the first place. And now you're wrestling with curricular guidelines that don't even pretend to want to take the importance of mathematics and English instruction. They want to make and elevate the importance of sociological change of our children. Something is very wrong in our education system, Bethany. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it's reflected in the test scores here, which are already, again, so, so bad. And the test scores just measure basic proficiency that... 15 years ago, that would not been that would not have been considered proficient. Correct. We lower the standards, and yet they still can't meet them. That's they right. still can't meet those benchmarks. That's right. Um, but I, 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 they're spending all of their time, and and I've heard this from teachers who are ripping their hair out. I have the support, the quiet support, of a lot of Montgomery County teachers because they are so frustrated that all of their professional development is about diversity, inclusion, and right. equity, and they're ripping their hair out saying but what about math right like the kids can't do math why don't we focus on best practices with math or or literacy or phonics but you know instead they're focusing on pride puppy in uh, 1983, the U.S. I think it was 83. The U.S. Department of Ed- Education put out a study. It's one of the few handful of things the U.S. Department of Education ever did that was very useful, called "A Nation at Risk," and it's opening. Uh, pages are really worth rereading because it talks about a rising tide of mediocrity, but then it has this interesting line that if an invading enemy force were to infiltrate the United States to try and take us over, they could do little better than what we were doing to ourselves with our education system. Boy, is that true today. Wow. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you look at the what the Army is doing, yeah. they're having a hard time finding people right. who can pass the basic qualifications right. to get into the armed services. Right. Right. Bethany Mandel, she's running for school board in Montgomery County, Maryland. Uh, Bethany4boe.com, Board of Education, I presume, boe.com. Bethany4, the number 4, boe.com. Bethany, Montgomery County, I know it. I used to live uh, in those precincts. Um Pretty democratic, but is this a nonpartisan race theoretically, or how's it shaping up? So it is a nonpartisan race. There's no D's and R's, but I uh, I came out actually to the populace, uh, to the public, as a registered Democrat. Good. I have been a registered Democrat since 2021 okay. uh, because I like to participate in democracy, mm-hmm. and that is how you best do that in a state and in a county like mine. You have to vote in the primary because that's the that's the race that counts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is a nonpartisan race. And I have been surprised to hear from a lot of progressive and liberal parents 
that they are so desperate for change in Montgomery County, Maryland, that they're actually considering doing the unthinkable and voting for me. Good, good, good. By the way, is your husband Seth a registered Republican or Democrat? What are you, honey? I don't know. Whatever you told me to do. Well, I was just wondering if it was an intermarriage or not. That's all I just No, he's a registered Democrat. He said, said, whatever you told me to be, that's what I'm... Smart answer. Smart answer, (laughs) Mr. Mandel. Smart answer. He's a Democrat. I love it. You can tell what a committed family this is and with their children and with you doing this. This is hard and good work that you're doing, Bethany. When I heard you were running about a week ago, I just got so excited. More like you, please. And anytime you have something you want to say to our audience you know you're always welcome as is your husband seth you guys do great work all right i I love the seth thank you and we love the mandels godspeed uh keep (laughs) us posted and uh, we'll talk to you soon bethany for boe.com bethany the number four boe for board of education.com i'm seth liebson and we'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Yeah, you heard a mention. I need to put a mention and a word in for our great, um, great event we're doing on March 26th. We're bringing in uh, Mike Gallagher, Brandon Tatum, and I. Uh, the three of us will be on stage. There will be some other great guests as well. Uh, talk with you about uh, issues with the uh, issues in the election, issues important to us, issues important to you. You can get tickets at 960thepatriot.com. That's 960thepatriot.com. We also give away a pair of tickets every Friday, so we'll give away a pair tomorrow. If you want to enter to win that free pair of tickets, just email my producer, David Dahl, and put something like Fighting for Freedom or FFF in the subject line. That's what we're calling it, Fighting for Freedom. David's email address is ddahl at salemphx.com, ddahl at salemphx.com. Be one of the 15 people who email him every day and whelm him so much with those 15 emails. He can't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but do. Uh, it's great. Um, it's going to be a great event, and it'll be great to see you all. We love doing these events. I love seeing it. Mike Gallagher and Brandon, and uh, we're going to keep it somewhat, uh, somewhat small, not too terribly large, so we can maximize the interaction. Fighting for Freedom, 960thepatriot.com. Yes, what did Joe Biden have to say uh, about Strom Thurmond? Um, yes, he eulogized him as a man of great virtue when he passed away. But last night in San Francisco, he talks about how today's Republicans are worse than the segregationists of the 60s and 70s. It's a lie. It's a lie. And he knows better. But that's all he has, Mr. Biden. Unfortunately, it's all he has anymore in a campaign against the American people. That's what he's running. He's running a campaign against the American people. You know, for all they say about the divisiveness of Donald Trump. There is nothing so divisive as what Joe Biden is saying about the Republican Party. It started in Georgia two years ago when he said we were the party of Bull Connor and George Wallace and Jefferson Davis. Lies all. All three of them were Democrats. We're no more that party than than we are today. He should be ashamed of himself. And that's the true shame. As Abraham Joshua Heschel once put it, the worst form of shame is having none. This is a president who has none. But don't be blinded to what he's doing. What he's doing is ugly stuff. Ugly stuff. We should have been well beyond this by now. Well beyond it. And I hope pretty soon we're well beyond him. All right. A lot more coming up. We'll be right back. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.